So how do you attract new business so you constantly don't have to chase it? Hi, I'm Mike Cuevas, the real estate marketing dude, and this podcast is all about building a strong personal brand people have come to know, like, trust, and most importantly, refer. But remember, it is not their job to remember what you do for a living, it's your job to remind them. Let's get started. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude Podcast. I think we just hit 8% interest rates. The market is slow. What are you going to do? Hey, if you're a real estate broker or you're a team leader, it is fucking recruiting season all day, every day, because every single time the market shifts, agents who were spoiled about how easy business was, um, they weren't really looking at their brokerage for support. But when things shift like that, the number one thing all agents in the industry are looking is, who's going to help me navigate the mess that we're in, the slowness that I'm that I'm experiencing. And if you're in the business of recruiting, this is today's episode is going to be how to feast and famine, feast or famine in a changing market. This is going to be on how you feast because uh, it's markets like these that are honestly the easiest time to recruit. It's very difficult to recruit when everyone's doing well, because what's the purpose of recruiting? Hey, I'm doing well. I don't need you. Right. But when you're getting your ass kicked. You're like, shit, I need some help. I need a coach. I need to switch brokerages. Maybe I'm with the wrong people. Maybe I'm with that. What my predictions are going to be, um, I, I've never, I've been real estate for 20 years. I've never seen 8% interest rates before in my career. Um, so this is new to me as well. But what I know is that people are hurting, right? Yeah. And people are looking at, um, what am I going to do next? And they're scared. 90% of the real estate agents out there have never seen a shift like this. So right. if you're a team leader or broker owner, the chances are you've been in the business longer than most of the people you're trying to recruit, or at least that's how it used to work. Um, you know, today you have people in the business for two years and all of a sudden they're coaches and they're influencers and all this other stuff. Right. But we need to go back to the basics. This is uh, a very healthy thing with the right mindset. So without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest. We had him on about like the COVID days, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, now three years. Yeah. Uh, and his name is Mr. Jim Remley. Jim, hello. Hey, man. Thank you for having me back on the program. Always a pleasure, Mike. What are we going to get into today? Let's talk about recruiting because it's recruiting season, as you mentioned. Um, I just saw a stat that was 90% of all the agents operating today have never been in a market with 5% interest or greater. And so when you look at that, you know, you got a lot of agents who are exiting. The latest uh, numbers show that about 80,000 agents have already exited this business. Now we've got a, a double whammy hitting the market. We've got a whammy of you know, people just not ever experiencing a down market. They've been in an up cycle for the last 10 years. But now we've got uh, something else that's hitting the market. There's a lot of fear around, which is buyer representation, BAC fees, now under attack by the Department of Justice in two major lawsuits. And major yes. players like Remax, Keller, or not Remax, but Anywhere, Keller, or Keller Williams is on the list. But Remax uh, got major MLSs that are settling. And the settlements are saying basically, we're going to make sure that sellers now have an option not to pay a BAC. Agents that don't know how to deal with that are going to exit the business as well. So now you've got a double whammy in the market where you've got a tremendous amount of pressure uh, build up. And uh, as you mentioned, it's a great time to recruit because agents need guidance. They need playbooks. They need a strategy because most agents have been market driven, not strategy driven. And they, when the market turns, they're just upside down immediately. Yep. Um, very well put. Um I didn't give people give you the proper introduction, so I want you to tell people why they should listen to you. So tell okay. me how long you've been in the business really quick, and then let's get into this because, uh, yeah. um, guys, he knows what he's doing. He coaches uh, brokerages and 
teams and all over the country. So um, yeah. really pay attention um, to what's going on here, because even if you're an agent listening to this, you need to find a broker that's doing the things we're going to tell you about, period. Yeah. Right. So, uh, Jim, go ahead and give me your accolades. So I'm going to give you a really brief rundown. 33 years in the business, started at uh in the back of the late 80s, early 90s, when interest rate, my first house I bought was 10.5% interest, and I thought I was so lucky to get it. So I've uh, been through those up, upward cycles in interest rates. Um, but uh, it, it first year, in the second year in the business, took 150 listings, got uh, a lot of accolades, Century 21, Centurion Awards, opened my first company at 23, grew that to 17 offices, sold that in 06 right before the crash, spoke for NAR for 10 years. Grew another company in Southern Oregon from 38 agents to 250 agents. Now that company is in the top 500 companies in America by volume in a small population base of 80,000. Our average agent productivity is about $7 million per agent. So doing something right. <laughs> That's my so short version. Let's um, let's get into this because you just mentioned something I wasn't planning on talking about. But yes, this is like the perfect storm. You have super high interest rates that nobody's used to. You have unaffordability. Um, you have high inflation rates. You know, people are worried about their finances. Eighty percent of people today don't believe buying a house is a good investment. Yeah. Um, and then you have the other side of it with this NAR thing going on. And what, what's really, you guys, commission compression is real. Like the days of you when this shit hits the fan and when it's all settled. Okay, you're not going to be getting a five or six percent listing agreement, in my opinion, anymore. Yeah. I think everybody is going to get cut. So not only are you're going to be making less money than you're ever used to. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, okay? So this is the stage. This is the business that we're in today, guys. So you have two options, adapt and change or die. Yep, 100%. So let's talk about adapting and changing, and let's first get into um, brokerages, because whether you're an agent listening to this or not, um, I know Jim's going to speak through, like, if you're a broker owner, here's what you should be doing. But if you're an agent, you need to be following people that are doing the stuff we're telling you, okay? So yep. Jim... What do you do right now? Like, what do you, um, we're saying it's, it is recruiting season because people want to be part of something where they know the direction. And when everybody is walking, it's sort of like when you go to a haunted house, being it's Halloween, go to a haunted house and it's pitch dark in there. You're sort of like, what the hell's going to pop up here? And you're sort of tippy toeing all the way through. You just want to turn the damn lights on and walk through and exit the door. Right. Right. So, um, what do we do in these shifts, Jim? What, what's the first thing that you're going to do as an agent today? The top three things you can do, and we're training our agents to do this right now, is just uh, to be on the cutting edge. You got to look at this as an opportunity for growth, and, and you got to look at this as not a challenge, but an opportunity. So here's the opportunity for growth. Number one, you need to act as if this change has already occurred. Act as if we're five years out from these lawsuits being settled because they are going to be settled. They're being settled right now. Yeah. These The major lawsuit goes, goes to court October 16th. Every one of them is going to settle. And the outcome of that is going to be our, the way we collect fees from buyers is probably going to be we're going to collect it directly from a buyer. So let's assume that's already changed, right? I taught the, I taught the credit of buyer representation class for 10 years. So we used to teach this for years. But here's what I'm going to change. I'm going to start treating buyers the same with the same respect I treat sellers, meaning I do a buyer presentation every single time when I'm with a buyer. And I say, hey, guys, can I just take a few minutes and show you how I work? Can I, can I walk you through the process of how I work with all my buyers? And now I'm going to open up maybe a, a digital presentation of here's the process. Here's the five things we need to talk about as you're working with the buyer. And during that buyer presentation, just like with a seller, I'm building value in my services. Now, let me tell you the key part of your, 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 your proposition, your value proposition. It's not finding them the home. 
See, most buyers today, if you share it all over the internet, I can unlock a door and I can search for homes myself. I don't need a realtor to do that. So we got to take that off the equation as fast as possible. And what we say is, you know, finding the house is really the easy part. And then we say the hard part is what comes next. And now I'm going to build my value from here on out. Now, how am I going to build that value? I'm going to say, so what I do is when we find that house, Here's what here's here's the steps I go through. We're going to do some deep research on the house. I'm going to check the assessment data. I'm going to check the planning data. I'm going to check the zoning data. I'm going to check the overlays. We're going to look at the, what the seller paid for the house, the last time they refinanced the property, all the trends that are happening in that neighborhood over the last five years. We'll do an in-depth buyer CMA on that property. We'll see if there's any red flags on the permitting. Have they not pulled the permits for the last construction they've done. We're going to dive deep into the house. You're going to know more about that house than the seller knows about that house by the time I'm done. And then once we know about that house, my real skills are going to show because I'm now going to talk about negotiation. The negotiation aspect of your skill set is the number one value point that buyers look at from you. They want the best negotiator in the market. It's just like a surgeon. They want the best surgeon. They want the best negotiator. Then you got to prove it with testimonials and back it up and show them proof of life, how you've helped other people negotiate great deals. Now you're going to set the stage for your worth, whatever you're asking. I'm worth 1%, 2%, 3%, whatever your number is going to be. And you're going to have to set that number. It's not going to be like, I'm just accepting what the seller's offering. It's going to be, I'm going to be charging a buyer. What's that number going to be, right? So step one, buyer presentation set. You know your, you know your value proposition. Step two is really understanding the buyer representation agreement in your market area. Whatever state you're in, there's a buyer representation agreement that's already been created. You need to get it out. You need to read it, review it, and understand it, and be able to present it just like you can a listing appointment. At a listing appointment, the listing documents, right? And number three, you got to start role playing this with somebody in your office you trust. You got to actually practice, practice, practice. I call it the uh, three step method of practice. You, you got to memorize the presentation cold. You got to internalize it so that I can turn to any page of my presentation or have any objection thrown at me and I can respond instantaneously. And last, I got to personalize it in real time to the client I'm dealing with. So those are the three things we're talking about. I like it. So I'm going to dig these deep a little bit uh, uh, further. It's crazy that a lot of people don't do buyer. Like I started doing buyer consults. That's how I earned all the business. I was only 21 years old and no one took me seriously. I was an alcoholic pretty much at that time, like just at the bars every day. And then I had to go meet with someone that was 10 years older than me, literally, and tell them on why they should buy a house. So I knew instantly I had the world against me and all odds against me because why are you listening to this punk kid who just got out of college talking about your wisest investment ever? Well, I got really good at presenting. And yeah. I had to build my worth in there. And I would tell people straight up, look, I don't really care what you buy. I don't mm -hmm. care where you buy. I care what you buy. And the only reason you're going to hire me is because I'm going to get you a better deal. That's the only reason I have a job. Right. You know, Love and it, it was just, it was just straight up. Um, but there's going to be a lot of other things. Like you guys have to look at your business today as uh, no differently than a restaurant does. What's the experience that you actually provide? Are you going to give them hair in their food? Or are you going to actually walk away and they're going to be talking to everyone else about why they should come visit your restaurant? And this means you're going to have to stack your offer. The days of opening your doors and closing them, like there's still going to be part of the job. But that's going to be like 4% of it. Yep. Um, this is facilitation is also another way to build your value. Like you have to sell your service and be like, like I'm a bulldog. I'm going to get you the best deal. And the only reason people hire me is because I'm good at finding deals. Some, some of you guys are going to develop off market deal finding abilities. That's yeah. going to be very high in demand. Some of you guys need to facilitate the entire deal. That means you have to do a hands-off, buy a house with me. I'm going to give you your movers. I'm going to give you um, the uh, the whole process. I'm going to turn on your utilities for you. I'm going, I mean, it's literally got to, you are no longer a real estate agent. You're fucking Home Depot. 
Right. I love it. Well, and I, I like this idea that you got to create your own, you, you, what you're talking about, your unique selling proposition. What is it different about you than the 5,000 other realtors in your marketplace? And a couple of things that we've been talking to agents about is, like you're saying, buyer concierge services. And here's a classic example of that. Most agents take a buyer, they meet with them, they find out their criteria, they plug it and then their, their criteria list and their website. And then it just spits this stuff out at eight at their buyer. And the buyer every morning gets an email. Here's the five properties that match our criteria. Pretty soon within about three or four days, it becomes noise. And they're like, delete, 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 delete. What a great agent will do is say, I'm going to send you that list, but I'm going to curate it. So every day you're going to get it, I'm going to get it. And then I'm going to go back and I'm going to give you the notes because I've already seen a lot of these houses. I'll tell you which one's the best buy, which one we got to go see right now today. So you're now going to get these notes. Now the notes become valuable. Now they come alive because you're curating. That's a classic example of adding value to a system that's already out there. Yep. And this includes having coffee ready in the car when you pick them up. Like that was a that was a must for me. I would bribe people with gifts, dinners, lunches, whatever, because as soon as I bought them something, I knew they were loyal to me. And um, I used to pick them up. Literally, I'd go, you're not driving. I can't stand when agents like, hey, follow me. No, the whole get them in the car with you. That's when you're actually building your rapport with them and generating referrals off of the relationships they have access to. So like all of these things are such little big, big, big keys. Now, I don't personally, though, I don't see a, a buyer like look where I'm at in, in, in California. I don't see a buyer paying 3% of a purchase price to an agent at a, at a million dollars. Like, so you're, you're going to charge me 30 grand because you can't finance that. I do think there will be a lender that comes out with financing and rolling commissions in that can hint lenders. Like where are you guys at? Like, why isn't that not out already? Yeah. Um, but I believe that's, what's going to be, if, it, if you're listening, you're in the lending world, that's what I would be focused on. How do I create a product to finance buyer's agent commissions? And then I'd go after every single buyer's agent in the world. And now you'll have all the business you need without spending a fucking dollar. 100% agree. Yeah, that, that's got to be a product that's going to be rolled out for sure. That that will be the challenge. And that's where you're going to see commission compression. I bet you'll see a lot of agents go to a flat fee. And they'll say, I just charge five grand, I charge 10 grand, whatever the number happens to be. I that's going to be a conversation with every brokerage and every agent in America is, first of all, as a broker, do we have a set standard? Like, are we going to have a minimum standard in our office, just like we have a minimum standard probably with seller listing fees? And what's that standard going to be, right? So we're all going to have to make these kind of really tough decisions here in the next probably six months to a year of how we're going to run our business and how we're going to, what we're going to charge for buyer representation. I would focus on building options. Here's option one where you have like, you know, I'm barely working on your deal. Here's option yeah. two that you got me mentally involved. And here's option three where I won't fucking sleep until I get you what you want. Right. right? And then you're going to have those different um, things. Now let's go into the brokerage end because we're, we're, we're laying out what you should be building the environment for. Right. Sure. So yeah. like if, if we're telling agents what, what to have, well, here, here you go, Mr. Broker. We know commission compression is real. Like we have a software we just released. It's called Sweet Assist and it's all about teams and brokerages. But a major portion of that are ancillary services and profit maximizers because we know this is coming. So we have relationships with vendors like Solar, for example, mm -hmm. um, Handymen, Movers, where agents can make multiple streams of income around the transaction because we already know that you're not going to be getting to two and a half percent. Yeah. So as a team or broker leader, what I'm doing is I'm filling up all of my affiliate and local vendors and service providers so that I could help my agents create a better experience so that they could earn that commission they're going to charge. The individual agent is very rarely going to put all this stuff together. The team leader, a broker owner, their responsibility is to do just that. You need to build the restaurant your agents are going to cook in. Mm, I love it.
Love it. And it's, it's very similar to what you're talking about, what brokers already realized about 10 years ago, some brokers, and that's why they added mortgage and insurance, some of them, and title, some of them, because they saw commission compression at the brokerage level. Now we're going to see it more at the agent level. And, and you're giving them a solution for that, which I think is absolutely brilliant. There's a couple, uh, and even in the lending world, and this is the type of mindset you guys got to think, how can I monetize the things I'm already doing today? Yes. Right. And um, like just in the, um, just in the, like the lending world, you can, there's a million of these companies now, and you could go out and get your MLL, your mortgage loan origination license, and you could just refer the deal over to the lender. And then you can make a rip off of that. Right. 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 So there's ways that you're going to have to look and it, it's actually very healthy because whoever wants to rely on just one stream of income, and I'm not talking about, you're going to get rich off the, you're going to get, you're going to have a couple dollars coming in from every which way. Mm -hmm. You might sell a mover service, right? And yeah. but you might only make a hundred dollars off that mover service. But it's hundred dollars. It's hundred bucks. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's three or four other of those different transactions around the real estate transaction that you can absolutely uh, monetize. And I think that's going to be the future of 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 this business. Is you're no longer a real estate agent. You are like your Home Depot, and you have to provide all kinds of services all around, not just the transaction of the house, but the ongoing servicing of it. Yeah. 100%. And that, and I think agents that do that are going to be more like the concierge anyway, which is what clients want. They want one-stop shopping. Yep. For sure. So let's get into this. Um, um, here, I have, I have a question. I want to get your opinion on this. Sure. I, I agree. I think buyers are going to like do a flat fee type service, but I do think that in the way that I'm reading the lawsuits, you might know more about this than I, than me. Um, you probably have a lot more insight in it. Their lawsuits aren't going to say that you can't offer a cooperating commission. No. They're going to say, like, you have if you're offering a cooperating commission, you got to tell the seller straight up, hey, I'm going to charge you 4%, but I'm going to use like one and a half percent of that to pay out a buyer's agent to entice them to come get the house. Right. Right. And in the event that buyer's agent doesn't sell the house, I sell it on my own, then I'll drop that percentage. But you're mm. going to pay a buyer's agent to entice them. Is there any, do you see any language that doesn't allow that? No, I, I think what would the the language of, of all the lawsuits that I've read, and I've read them, I think all of them, is that it's gonna the basically when you go to a seller, there's gonna be a requirement that says, listen, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, you know, you can offer a buyer agent commission if you like to, but you're not required to. If you do choose to offer one, you know, here's what's happening competitively in the market. But there's not gonna be this situation where they're forced to offer one because what's happened over the years is that all these uh, MLSs that are owned by realtor organizations, that, that's, that's been a requirement that you have to offer BAC, a buyer agent commission. So you're going to see that go away. It's, it's, I think that's inevitable. That's going to happen. The question mark really is, will sellers still offer a BAC when given the option not to? And we, that's a question mark we just don't know yet. Yeah. It's, it's going to be on how you pitch it. Yeah. It's because like, what's going to happen is in the news media, they're going to pick up on this. Why would you ever pay somebody to... to represent somebody that's working against your interest financially. And, you know, when people actually start to kind of think about that, a lot of sellers are going to be like, why would I do that? Why would I pay somebody to work against me? It doesn't make sense. And that's, that's the whole pitch. Yep. It's interesting. There's so yeah. many different ways to spin it. Yeah. And I, I could honestly see both. Like, I don't like the arguments, but I can understand where they're coming from. Oh, hundred percent. I you know I and, and without that BAC, it's going to cost lots of people that won't be able to get into a house because they won't be able to afford to pay an agent. So it's going to, it's going to hurt the industry in my opinion. So 
now let's look at opportunities though, because let's be honest, like the, um, the less agents there are, the transactions are still going to happen with or without real estate agents, people move. Right. So, um, you're going to see a lot of agents probably leave the business, but, um, you know, and, and just think to yourself, like how many times have you lost that one or two deals a year to like little cousin, Billy, the, who just got his license or aunt Sue, the blue haired realtor and none better to do. She is a billionaire, but she wouldn't got a real estate license because she just needs something to occupy her time with. And every single year you lose a couple of those, you guys are gonna be losing those deals. Yeah. Um, as much anymore because there's gonna be less transactions or I mean less uh, agents and then it's just gonna be but I think that's what's coming. What's gonna happen to NAR? NAR is on, in trouble right now because NAR what with the settlements that are just they haven't been approved yet, but with first of all, Redfin bailed out and everybody thinks Redfin bailed out because of the sexual harassment suits that are happening. That's part of it for sure. But if you look deeper into what's happening with Redfin and the reason why Redfin just bailed out, Redfin resigned from the board of directors of NAR because NAR refused to give up on this BAC issue. And they said, no, we are not going to bend on this issue. And they said, if you don't bend on this issue, we're bailing. They left the board and now they've left, you know, they're giving their agents, they haven't completely left, but they've given the agents the option of not having to be a member of, of NAR. But what a lot of people don't realize is in these two settlements now with anywhere, think Caldwell Banker, think Sotheby's, you know, think these big major companies that are owned by anywhere. And now Remax, both their settlement agreements also state that they're not going to require their agents to be NAR members. So yeah. all the agents at these companies are not going to be required to be an NAR member. You know, are they going to still maintain their membership? Are brokerages going to maintain their membership? The key component will be in their local MLS is, is it owned by NAR? And are they required to be a member in that case? So lots of fallout here happening. I, I, I definitely see NAR under more pressure than I've ever seen in 30 years in the business myself. The, Never seen it like this. The conspiracy theorist in me tells me this is a setup to get NAR out of the way so they could go to real what, what is step two in this whole entire um, situation. Because um, who's going to, there's no one left to lobby for the industry after NAR is gone. And I agree. I don't think many agents are going to be stay on as members because every agent always complains. I see on socials like, Hey, what does NAR even do anyways? What's yeah. the point of this? Right. And that's NAR's fault for not creating enough value, but that's the whole purpose of what we're talking about. If NAR can't create any value for your, their own agents, you have to create value for your own clients the same way. Otherwise there's no reason to work with you uh, or be part of you. So NAR um, pay attention, listen to your own advice right here. Um, yep. All right. So let's look at this uh, broker gen and let's go into um brokerages and what they're doing. Um, the listing agent side is there, but I, I, I think it's got to be ancillary streams of income. I think you got to look at different ways to make money. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I do firmly believe every single real estate team or brokerage will end up being, I think there's going to be a conglomerate of smaller entities as opposed to super large ones, or there, there's not going to be like a middle of the ground. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the smaller ones are going to be rehabbers or investors themselves. That's going to be one of their profit centers and they're, they're just going to happen to own a real estate brokerage, but it's going to be something like that. And there's so many different ways to diversify um, you're in. So what are you seeing out there and what do you, what's your advice for brokers and teams and um, well, the, the, for brokers, the, their lifeblood and for teams, frankly, too, it's, you got to be a great recruiter, right? That's what my brokerage coaching company, we're all about recruiting and retaining great agents. But if you're not a great recruiter, you're going you're gonna to have a real hard time in this market because what recruiting does for you is it brings profitability back into the company. you got 10 agents that have left you over the last year. If you haven't replaced those 10 agents, you just might have lost $100,000 worth of business uh, net profit for your company. So you got a challenge. you got to replace those agents with great agents. And it's a shrinking pool. So that means you got to become an expert at recruiting absolutely positively. But one thing that I think is going to attract agents, you got to say, what's going to attract an agent to my firm? 
the big thing over the last you know 20 years has been it's always commission splits commission splits commission splits and i you know you definitely got to be competitive no question but what's more important than a commission split and I, this is what i got to drive home to everybody what's more important than a commission split is helping agents close more transactions because 100 percent of nothing is nothing i can be closing two transactions a year getting 110 percent and not make as much money as somebody closing 20 transactions or 15. So as a brokerage owner, team leader, I got to be able to demonstrate to agents, I'm going to help you close more transactions, bring more money home to your family. And I'm going to show you how I'm going to do it. Either with playbooks, with strategies, with technology. One of my favorite things though, that agent, that brokerages should be doing is actually, and team leaders, actually starting to think of themselves as a lead source for their, for their agent body and saying, I'm going to go create the leads. As a brokerage owner or team leader, I'm going to hand them out. Even if there's a fee attached to these agents, the agents will pay the fee all day long and they'll be excited to work for you and they will never go anywhere if you're able to generate leads. So I think the new um, paradigm for a lot of these brokerages that are going to be successful and team leaders are, I've got to be the marketing company, the branded company. I got to go after these leads and deliver them. That's my Yeah, opinion. I 100% agree. You're going to, yeah, the agents are your clients. Yeah, um, You're going to have to create trainings for them. You're going to have events for them. You have to have socials. You yep. got a uh, um, sales meetings. Um, but yes, you're going to have to create business or systems um, for them as well, because you can't, most agents aren't business people like, and this is no knock on anybody. Like you got into real estate, you thought it was a good idea and whatnot, but most of y'all aren't entrepreneurs. Like that, that's just, and this is an entrepreneurial space yep. and that's not a bad thing or not. But if you're not that visionary or you're not that entrepreneur, then you join a team. And you plug right in there and then you become part of that, right? right. Um, I 100% agree on the on the leads. You're going to have to do something to encourage per, uh, increase of business, increase production. Yeah. Um, what about, um, what do you see happening with, this is something I've noticed firsthand is like over the last few years, we've seen a lot of um, DXPs of the world, now Reels, now there's LPT. Um, there's exit realty. I used to be a broker owner of back yeah. in the day with the first commission multi-level marketing right. company. Right. Yeah, no um, but a lot of those I'm seeing like the people who left like our brokerage here in San Diego, like I see them coming back too, because, um, their downlines are down. Like the downline still has to create production, right? You still have to have closings for it to work. Right. What are you seeing across the edge? And then as a broker owner, what do you think, um, is the opportunity there? I think the the virtual hybrid model is is definitely a viable model. I think the idea that I'm going to recruit instead of sell real estate is a flawed model. I for, you first, if you're going to be in real estate, have to sell real estate, and I think that big sell to all these agents out there has been detrimental to the industry and detrimental to their, them personally because of exactly what you're saying. As their downline collapses, and it will collapse with agents that have been doing one or two transactions, they're going to exit the business. Then, then you've got a problem because now their their income stream has gone in half or to a third or to an eighth of what they're getting before, and they forgot how to sell real estate because they've been so focused on on recruiting. That's a problem. I think you know hybrid virtual is a great model. You can cut costs, and there's some advantages to that. But um, I think more importantly, you got to train agents how to sell real estate <laughs> and build and build a, a viable business that way. If you yeah, can it's imagine- coming, it's coming back. Yeah, like the basics, <laughs> the fundamentals and the basics. If you if you just apply that same model and you said, what if we apply that model to attorneys? Would that work? It wouldn't work, right? <laughs> Any other real industry, it probably wouldn't work very well, right? It and it doesn't work long term for realtors either. I don't think. My my personal opinion. I agree. 
Yeah, it's interesting to do that in the attorney world. Um, so the top three, if I'm a broker owner, what I'm hearing you say is you got to focus on agent problems. First one is production. Yeah. Second one is is education leadership, right? What do you do in this type of market? Well, you've never been here before. But these mm-hmm. are all opportunities, right? Like you guys could be having training events. And I love leading with education. I think that's the ultimate way that you have to recruit. I've always said that is when people show up to your education events, they're asking you to be recruited because yep. um, they're looking for help and they might not know it yet, but um, they're there for a reason, right? And if you're the one and you become that shining light on a dark day, well, you just made the job 99% easier. Right. And I think what uh, people really buy into is culture too. They want a culture of growth. They want sure. a culture of excellence. They want a culture of leadership. And when you have leaders that are walking around kind of with their head in the sand, they're not addressing the current problems. They're just saying, wait until, you know, I'm hearing this big thing now, you know, stay alive till 25. That's just an excuse. What are you going to do until 2025? You're going to go broke, right? We, that's we that's terrible. People are saying that. Oh, I hear that all the time. Stay alive yeah. to 25. Terrible advice. It's almost like date the rate, marry the house type thing. I couldn't yeah, exactly. stand that one, man. Yeah, yeah. That was like, talk about a saying that makes you go nuts. That was it for me. Yeah. <laughs> and people, I agree with you. People want to be rescued and you got to be able to be the, the one that's running the ship that can rescue people and say, how can I rescue them? What's the hottest topics on my market? Educational events. Also being super uh, present and, and like you've been coaching for years and years on, on social media with video content and educating people through video too, as well. I'll tell you what doesn't work. I'm going to give you two things that doesn't work in my opinion mm-hmm. is uh, you got a lot of people that are hired ISAs to cold call recruits. Terrible idea. You're never going to get great agents cold calling with ISAs from wherever <laughs> part of the world. Good point. The second, the second thing is just relying on social media alone to recruit or putting ads on indeed. What you got to look at yourself is, is like an NFL, NHL, you know, NBA team owner. And that's the way I recruit is if I'm recruiting the best people, the LeBron James of the world, that means I got to get on the phone. I got to have a conversation. I got to have a meeting, probably several meetings and I'm pitching. And that's, we're salespeople at the end of the day. And when you kind of turn your attention as a brokerage owner into, I'm a salesperson selling my company, your, your processes will change and you'll get better at recruiting. I like it. And you guys got to be loud. This yeah. leadership is probably the number, would you agree? Leadership right now is the number wow. one thing you could be doing. So if like you're that broker owner, like you have to be creating videos, you have to be on social media. And even if your bottom line is hurting, fake it till you make it right now, because it won't be long. Um, you need to get out there and uh, be loud because that, I think people are just looking for that leadership. Um, yeah. And that sounds a lot simpler than, it sounds so simple though, Jim. Is it that- is. I mean, it's the it, we just exactly what we tell our agents to do. You know, prospect every day. We got to recruit every day. Get on the phone. Five calls a day. If, you know, from my experience, five calls a day will equal one appointment. Five appointments equals one recruited agent. So I'm just gonna. I gotta get the path is in the math, right? The fortunes in the follow up. What eight? What brokerages do is the same thing agents do. We procrastinate. We don't do what we're supposed to do be doing, and then we wonder why we're going broke. We got to figure it out. We got to say, hey, I'm going to take uh, and apply the same standard I, I coach my agents to prospect, lead, generate, follow up. Yep. I agree. Um, Jim, any closing thoughts here you want to provide to agents or broker owners? Um, I, I think broker owners, the one thing I'd say, look at this as the, probably the best period of recruiting in the last 10 years. This is the wide open window for you to recruit the best agents in your market, bring them into your fold. It's it's an amazing opportunity. Look specifically, if you really want to go for it, look at teams. And a lot of these team members that are on a team are suffering. They're really suffering. And they're great agents. 
but they're suffering and they're they're at subpar commission splits. They're not getting the leads they used to. Great opportunity in teams. Also, second second opportunity, huge opportunity is brokerage acquisition. And when I say acquisition, not that you're writing a check, but that they're walking their agents over to you and you're giving them 10, 20% off the, all the agents they bring over for the next couple of years. It's a walkover. Huge amount of walkovers are going to happen over the next 12 months. Massive amounts of companies are going to fold up shop. Don't let them fold up shop and close their doors. Bring them under your under your under your fold. Lots of communication about that. With agents well, that get ahead of that buyer presentation. What would you look for? That's a really good point. MA's guys. Uh yeah, because people aren't gonna there's an ego thing there. Yeah. Right. And you got someone who had a shop, but the reality is it's not doing as well. They don't want to shut it down. Yeah. Because then they're gonna feel like a failure, right? But yeah. they want to keep it going and figure out a way to make income. And you can absorb them, bring them into your mix. And um, what what are the signs of finding a brokerage that's ripe for an M&A? It's studying. You got to know your market stats. So I'd be watching um, where you where the all the companies are in the marketplace. Rank them, you know, top fifty companies, and watch their production numbers. We're watching in our market, and we've just seen there's like a one and two. We're number one. We got a number two behind us. But then you go down to three and four and five and six, and it's like fifty percent down, fifty percent down, fifty percent down. Any of these companies that are 50% off or more than last year, they're already losing money. It's just a matter of how much per month and what's the bleed for them. The key thing is you just got to open the door. And the way you open the door is you just invite those people to lunch, coffee, and just say, hey, we've admired your company for years. I just want you to know that the door is open. If you ever decide to make it, maybe make a change, exit, anything like that, please be the first person I talk to. They're going to say no initially because it's, it's an ego, but within three to six months, I'll be calling you. Very good. Especially if you're loud, you got to stay in front of them. Just same way like we do with clients, right? Yeah. Um, exactly. Very, very good stuff, dude. Um, folks, this isn't doom and gloom. There's a lot of opportunity. I know it might feel a little rough right now, but it's what you do during the times of the hard that make into the times of the good and the people who put their head down right now. Yeah, you might take a little bit of an income hit for the next few months. That's fine. Okay. Um, but um, you're you're building a brand right now. And the one who's standing at the end of the day is the one who wins. And I always like to tell people and you guys with this, don't be the the hare, be the tortoise. The tortoise stuck nice and slow and they won the race because they're consistent. Went back to the basics, just went left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. They didn't take shortcuts. They didn't try to do this and try to do that. And at the end of the day, who won the damn race? That's damn right. tortoise. So you got to go back to the basics in these times. But openly, if I'm going to summarize the call today, one is leadership, um, 100%. Two is systems, stacking your offering on behalf of your agents. If you're an individual agent, you need to stack your offering and create value. If you're the broker owner, you need to create value for your agents because you got to assume that they're not going to do it on their own. Um, lead generation, uh, systems to enhance business for brokerages, for their agents. And then ultimately leadership. No one's yeah. been here before, guys. If you've been in this market, <laughs> you have a skill that most people will listen to right now. Um, if you've been in the last shift, for those of you that are in 07, 08, 09, and 10 days, you got to bring those stories back up Yeah. about what you did, because that's what people are looking for. They're looking for that experience. Um, any additional closing thoughts, Jim? No, I think I think you're exactly right. And bringing some positivity and some light to agents. People want a positive person, and that's what's going to attract agents. You got to think of how am I attracting people? You're going to attract people to your positive messaging every day. It's not negative. It's positive. Don't look at the challenges. Look at the opportunities. Every single thing has a silver lining and we're putting those silver linings out to our clients and our agents all the time. Love it. Love it. Thanks, dude. I appreciate your insight and we appreciate you listening to another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude podcast. Folks, if you're looking to 
build your brand, stay in front of that database in a very nonchalant system and create ancillary streams of income and you're a broker owner, or if you're an agent, you got to check out Sweet Assist. Sweet Assist is a true all-in-one platform that helps you manage your entire office. But more importantly, it gives your agents a marketing system to stay in front of their database effortlessly. And it gives you the infrastructure to create additional streams of income um, to adopt in today's current market conditions. So we'll see you guys on next week's show. Appreciate you. See you later. Bye. Thank you for watching another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude podcast. If you need help with video or finding out what your brand is, visit our website at www.realestatemarketingdude.com. We make branding and video content creation simple and do everything for you. So if you have any additional questions, visit the site, download the training, and then schedule time to speak with a dude and get you rolling in your local marketplace. Thanks for watching another episode of the podcast. We'll see you next time.